Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall, and we're glad you found us today. Our guest today is Jason Meyer, Group Product Manager, Projectors at Epson America. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm great, JW. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Absolutely. And we've got a great uh, episode lined up for you. But before we dive into the questions, if you could just give us a little background on yourself and a little background on what you do at Epson, uh, that would be a great way to get our audience uh, a little more familiar with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a group product manager at Epson. So in product management, we manage the product roadmap, strategy, um, business plan for our projector products across North America. And I primarily, my, my team is primarily focused on K-12 education, higher education, and then some meeting room and conference room type products. But the vast majority of what we do is in K-12 education. Excellent. And my audience knows me that I drive right in. Um, and so my first question is, what happened to the roadmap uh, for 2020? Did it stay the course or as many of uh, the companies we talk with, did, did it deviate based on the uh, obvious uh, changes in everyone's plans with the pandemic? So, you know, our approach to the business um, transformed a bit as as the as the industry was transforming in 2020 with all of the challenges that were presented. But in terms of roadmap, uh, we had a really solid roadmap going into the year, and and um, we're in the middle of a a pretty big technological transformation in projectors right now, and that's that's moving ahead aggressively. So from a roadmap perspective, it was more or less business as usual um, from a marketing and, um, you know, sort of way that we're looking at the business strategically that changed a a bit. But um, for the most part, we're, we were business as usual. That's great. And and that is a good point that uh, this online learning shift that's happened in 2020 has really been 20 plus years in the making. Um, a lot of uh, folks may think, wow, everything changed in 2020. And, and a lot of things did in big ways. But really, a lot of this uh, was on pace and maybe it's just been accelerated. Yeah, I mean, if anything, um, what it accelerated on our side, it was just our our shift towards uh, teaching our our um, both our reseller base and our customers, so schools and teachers, how to how to better use our technology um, with all of the online and distance learning, you know, tools that that they were suddenly forced into using. Right, so there was a lot of uh, we we shifted pretty quickly. Um, to more, you know, video content and training content to ensure that our customers and reseller partners um, could effectively, you know, use our our equipment in this new environment. Absolutely. And what were some of the biggest changes in the way that your equipment has been utilized or deployed uh, with the changes in 2020? Yeah, so it's really two things. One thing we saw almost immediately, so back in 
March, right, uh, was um, we started getting a flood of requests for document cameras, right? So one of our, you know, we're known for projectors, um, we're the largest projector manufacturer in the world, but one of the products that we sell to um, K-12 education um, for, for decades really are document cameras, right? And the document camera business is a is a stable business. It's it, it hadn't been a growing business, and then um, you know suddenly all of these teachers were relocated to their homes and needed a way to f effectively teach from home, right? And capture whatever it is that they needed to capture. Um, over video, right? And so it became clear very quickly that document cameras were going to be a key part of that. And, and so we had a, a, we saw a huge increase in, in requests for document camera products. And so very early on, we created, I, I think it was in March or April, we, re, we created a, a video on how to use a document camera with Zoom, for example, right? So, uh, which was, which took off. And then we, we started looking at, um, other other product other ways to show people how to use our products with Zoom and and you know products like Zoom whether it's Teams or Google Meet or what have you, right? So interactive projectors were the next logical choice, right? So we we quickly did a did a video showing how you could use our interactive projector product with um, you know one of these remote platforms. That's really interesting. And the document cameras, was that teachers wanting to scan worksheets and send them in? Or what were the kind of main use cases for the document cameras? Yeah, it, it's interesting. So if you're, you know, the, the typical document camera user be a math, it's, it's, it tends to be pretty strong in math and sciences, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 51 years old, so you know when I was in school, it was the old overhead projectors and grease pencil, right? That's how that's how you learned algebra, right? The teacher sat at the front of the room with the overhead projector and did algebra equations on the overhead projector. The document camera is just a the modern equivalent of that. So um, I, we see it with math teachers, right? Because they can just put a piece of paper under the document camera and and write. Um, uh, equations and solve them for the students live online under the document camera. If you're a science teacher and you want to show an object, for example, or a model, you can quickly do that using a document camera. And the document camera has the ability to zoom in and do, you know, take photos and different functionalities like that that are that are useful for a teacher. So those were those were the things that they were using them for early on, right? It's just a uh, it's an easy way to give a close-up view of something that the teacher's doing um, from home. Yeah, I was going to say that would make sense that they needed an increased volume to get to the teachers in their home environments when they, they couldn't be using them in the classroom. Yeah, um, and I'm a similar right. age uh, bracket. Uh, I remember the uh, the document cameras with the um, the scroll uh, that they would scroll through and you'd hear the squeaking uh, yeah. before they would uh, get <laughs> right. to the next uh, section. And you'd say, wait, run it back, run it back. Right. So uh, yep. fortunately, uh, I'm assuming the document cameras today are record everything and make it easy for the students to uh, access that uh, in a better way than maybe our generation. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're, it's a great tool, and and I think we're going to see a halo effect from that, right? That I, I think that the the user base for document cameras was always very stable and the teachers that use document cameras every day love them and can't do without them. But I think we, we're going to see a, a fairly big expansion of base of teachers that now have, are using document cameras at home. And then when they go back to the classroom, they'll want, they'll want to take those with them. Absolutely. And we're seeing that across the board with uh, technology that uh, the user bases are growing by necessity um, what are some other best practices that you've seen maybe expand in their usage in, in AV technology, whether it's uh, in-person teaching, which there's still some of, but maybe more so the hybrid or the fully online environments? Right. Yeah. So, so what we're, we're starting to see already, right, is, a, is this hybrid approach where we have teachers going back into the classroom without students and using the, using the technology that's installed in the classroom to to teach from there. So that, that was something we thought was going to happen early on. And, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in and how, you know, locked down it is for quarantine reasons, we see that in varying degrees, right, across the country. But it, um, you know, that was one of the first things we saw. We also saw, we've also seen a big, you know, obviously since, since, you know, the most school districts, especially early on across the country, shut down. You know, our 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 business slowed, right? But we also saw a lot of um, schools starting to prepare for what happens next, right? So there was a lot of um, interesting requests for. Um, uh, I, I, I guess the way to put it is we we saw a, um, a change in the way schools were looking to use the technology. One example would be we saw schools fairly early on, and it's still continuing, repurposing rooms that they wouldn't normally use for instruction for instruction, right? So um, auditoriums, gymnasiums, um cafeterias, for example, that, you know, one of the big benefits of projection technology is that we, we have the best, we, we say we have the best value per square inch of image, right? So we can produce with a $300 projector, we can produce a 200 inch diagonal image, right? Um, and so if you're looking to move students into a larger room, where they're all spaced out and the viewing distances are much larger, you need a much larger screen. So we saw a big uptick in in requests for um, our high brightness projectors, for example, that are typically large venue type projectors that can produce a huge image, you know, 300 inch plus diagonal image. Um, and we saw our our partners installing those in in these in these areas. You know, um, and turning these big rooms, cafeterias, auditoriums, et cetera, into classrooms. So that was the, the those were the the big things we saw early on. That's a a really interesting point, and and really great that schools were having that foresight that when things did come back in some capacity, they were going to need to do school a little differently. And those are such creative ways to to be able to handle that. Um, 
That's really cool. I imagine you're also seeing some shifts from the traditional front of room collaboration, you know, uh, to more of a mix of some front of room or cafeteria um, and then student devices and hybrid learning. Um, what have you seen as far as is that probably going to be more the way we're looking at education in 2021? I think so. Yeah, we we've for several years have been working in, with our, you know, our engineering teams and integrating into our product roadmap um, tools that will allow us to move away from the front of the classroom. Right. So, you know, the interesting thing about um, education, particularly in the U.S. market, right, it's so mixed in the approach. Like uh, my colleague, you know, Epson's a global company. My, so I, I interact regularly with my colleagues in different countries, like Europe and, and other parts of the world, Japan, et cetera, China. And, and they all have different approaches. And, and in many of these countries, um, the, you know, the, the approach to education is sort of mandated by the government, right? So they have a very uniform approach to education. They may put the same display in every classroom in the country, for example, right? But in the U.S., it's 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 district by district, and we see some districts that are still, um, you know, teaching traditional, you know, sort of front of the room, sage on the stage style of lecturing, uh, no, with. Um, no display, for example, and then all the way to a fully integrated modern classroom with with modular furniture and, you know, the latest display technology and audio technologies, et cetera. Right. So th that diversity in our in the industry really causes us to sort of look at all all different scenarios. But back to your original question, right, was that you know, we saw we we saw early on that, uh, especially in some parts of the country, they were shifting away from a traditional front of the classroom approach, right? Um, and what that meant was that you had to that your hardware, your display hardware, had to be had to work seamlessly with student devices and allow the teacher to move around the room, for example, right? So we started including software um, with our with our displays, um, you know, several years ago that allowed teachers to display images from student devices to moderate discussions, right? So they could see every, every student that was connected to the projector at the front of the room and then put four of, four of the dis, um, student devices up simultaneously, you know, and there, we even have software included that allows two-way communication so you can push an image out to the class and have the class um, you know annotate on the image every student can do that and then the teacher can pull select images to pull back up to the front of the room that type of thing and that I, I, I we think that you know um, things that happened uh, recently with this pandemic and the move to remote learning is only going to accelerate that more, right? I think when, when students do return to the classroom, I think it's unlikely, at least in the near term, that you're going to have a bunch of students, you know, gather around a small display in small groups around the classroom. I think that you'll have 
uh, probably a large display at the front of the room, but every student will have a device in many cases and, and the, the ability to have to share content with all of those devices is going to be more important than other. Well, and that's really exciting because you also see cases where some of the students are in the classroom and some of the students are at home or in their dorm at, at the higher ed levels. So it's really cool that this technology would also allow for that kind of collaboration, correct? That's right. Yeah. So you can, you can, run the classroom just like you normally would with all the students in the class, but also using all of these remote collaboration tools, um, those can be integrated seamlessly into the into the lesson and, and kids at home can be experiencing the same thing that kids in the in the classroom are experiencing. That's really cool. And and we've heard a lot of stories on this podcast also around um, the challenges of students working from home, but also some of the silver linings as far as certain students are more comfortable chatting in answers than maybe raising their hand in front of uh, a classroom of their peers, you know, in a small environment. So maybe some of these uh, technology advancements that have come in recent years can, can find a more permanent home moving forward as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The I, I hear a mixed I hear a mixed bag from teachers. Some some teachers say their students are really engaged when they're um, learning remotely, and then other teachers tell me that they have a hard time engaging them. Right, and students are shy, you know, afraid to be on camera or you know too shy to be on camera, and so it's it's a challenge, obviously, for teachers because they're they're lecturing to a screen, you know, uh, from home. And I think that's why, you know, um, we're seeing sort of a move to this hybrid approach where even before the, even before the students return to class, the teacher's going back into the classroom because it's a little bit more comfortable for them in some cases to, you know, have their room and their board and be able to show, move around the room and show what they're doing rather than, you know, sitting in their living room, um, you know, trying to accomplish the same thing. It's a, it's a challenge, you know, big adjustment. You know, we, we really understand the challenge for teachers. You know, when I talk to teachers, they, um, most of the teachers I talk to, there's, they want nothing more than to return to the classroom, you know, when it's safe. Absolutely. And administrators as well. Um, and as I often do in this podcast, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any teachers, any administrators listening, uh, you've, put in a valiant effort in 2020, and uh, that doesn't go unnoticed. Um, on that note, with teacher development, professional development, um, you kind of mentioned earlier that training distribution partners and customers has, has been a transition. What have been the most important teacher development opportunities that uh, you've had to address here in, in 2020 going into 2021 as far as what kind of training do they need? Is it just on the hardware or just on the software or is it on the teaching methodologies um, or is it all of the above? I think it's all of the above. I mean, we we work with, a, we have a, a, a close partner that we work with on the curriculum side just to develop um professional development that is 
highly relevant to teachers because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a product manager. I know the products really well and I, and I understand the technology and the roadmap and all of that, but we need people that can talk to the teacher directly uh, and, and teach them in a, uh, teach them, um, in a way that they would teach in the classroom, right? So we work closely with a with a partner that helps us do that. We we consult with them, and then they help us develop the training materials for specific for teachers, right? Um, and then we work with the the partners on on um, you know the use case and and developing their strategies around selling our hardware to the, to the, you know, to the right market, the right, the right folks. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and so I, I think your answer is spot on that this isn't a one-time transition or one-time training. This is ongoing professional development because technology continues to advance, but this has really been an opportunity for all teachers to uh, kind of dive in if they hadn't already to the, the, the new technology for classrooms. And uh, I think it's really expanded the, the market and shown a lot of teachers that uh, the technology is not as scary as they might have thought. And it's certainly not here to replace them in any way. Teachers are more important than ever. And, um, and this is really uh, going to have a lot of positives hopefully coming out of it. Yeah. And I think you're spot on. I mean, the, the teachers, you know, I think teachers are eager to learn this technology. I think maybe it's, it's uh, forced some to, to adapt more quickly to the technology than they would have. But, but what we find is that as long as you tailor the, the, the training to the teacher and, and talk to them um, in the language that they speak, right, it's they adopt the technology fairly quickly. And that's always, that's the most important thing is, as I've, I've been doing this for a while and I've realized that, you know, it's so critical to effectively um, train the teachers how to use um, this technology. Um, otherwise they won't use it. You know, I think I've seen school districts make decisions that don't really involve the teachers and they'll put a technology in the classroom and not really train the teacher. And then that just results in frustration for the teacher. Right. Um, and I completely understand. I would feel the same way. So we, we really make an effort when we um, deploy our technology to a school district to ensure that they have a plan to, to, you know, um, teach their teachers how to use it. Absolutely, and and model for them from other teachers and success stories to give them the uh, encouragement that hey, this is being used in other places and being successful, so that they kind of have the why behind uh, the how as well. Uh, seems to resonate well with with teachers. Um, yes. To shift gears just a little bit, uh, there's also been a recent mass purchasing of technology. Um, that uh, there's even been some shortages of um, certain things. Um, where are we at as far as uh, our supply chains catching up and uh, what impact is that going to have going into the 2021 and then the 2020 school years as far as uh, technology, devices, replacements, and that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, 
of course we saw that like everybody else um you know speaking speaking for epson you know um early on uh in the pandemic we we like all other manufacturers had supply issues and a lot of that has just had to do with multiple component suppliers and our own factories you know um adjusting to a, a new way of doing things right we couldn't have as many people in the building as we could before you know the in many parts of the world there were complete you know shut down quarantines but for us that 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 you know resulted in a sort of temporary slowdown of our supply chain but we were able to we were able to bring that up on online back to near full capacity fairly quickly, you know, and, you know, I, I think a lot of manufacturers are in the same, same boat. We do see things where, you know, and I know this is happening in other parts of the industry with student devices, for example, where the demand is just so, uh, so much larger than it used to be that it, it will, it'll be a challenge for some time to catch up the, the, the um, absolute manufacturing capacity of these um, manufacturers just isn't there, right? You need, you need to build literally new buildings um, to increase your capacity. We, we saw um, a pretty severe, um, you know, shortage early on of document cameras, for example. And uh, I think that was across the industry and we're still, we're still catching up, but we, you know, it's, it's much better than it was. And, and um, we anticipate that over the next few months. And as we hopefully transition out of this current situation, that uh, all of these issues will be resolved. Absolutely. That gives us uh, some hope and uh, to continue on giving hope, uh, Give us a success story or, or two from 2020, uh, maybe a school or district that had pivoted and you were able to partner together for some training and, and you ended up with um, some some better than expected results. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would just go back to what I said earlier on, which was we we saw that we saw a number of schools uh, moved repurposing um repurposing spaces within their schools to accommodate social distancing and make it make it a safer environment right so that was the i think the biggest surprise to us is just this um how creative schools got um you know almost right away in in using their their space uh to be able to accommodate kids and keep them in in class as much as as much as they could right and using the using you know this high brightness large venue projector technology to to expand learning spaces i think that was the biggest you know success story early on um and then you know just continuing you know it's very encouraging for me to see uh that schools are are planning to get all of the kids back in the classroom, you know, in the coming months, you know, the all indications are that, that most schools will be, uh, are striving to have kids back in the classroom by the fall, you know, and, 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 and the schools have not slowed down in terms of planning, right? They, they know um, teachers and students and parents want all the kids back in class. And so they're, 
they're planning for that. You know, they're they're um, they're planning their technology, you know, um, implementations around that idea that they're all coming back. And so, to me, that's the most encouraging thing that we've seen over the last you know eight twelve months is just this persistent drive to return to normalcy, you know, and being creative with the technology um, that's available to them. I love that. And I'll, I'll mention one more that I think you might have said earlier. Uh, a lot of schools had the foresight to take this opportunity to maybe deep clean their buildings or upgrade their infrastructure while students were out and, and make the most of this opportunity that was most unfortunate to to prepare for the future as they were also conducting curriculum and online learning and distance learning. Um, maybe just uh, if that's something you've experienced as well as districts really kind of gearing up uh, their infrastructure while they have, you know, the students out of the building. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we saw that um with most of our large um, customers, right, that, that they took advantage of the time to, you know, to reset, to, to you know, clean up the school, to um, upgrade the technology in many cases. That was a surprise to us um, that schools were, you know, took advantage of that time to upgrade, Right. Um, and, and I think a lot of that was driven by the fact that they knew kids were going to be coming, uh, will be coming back to school with a lot more devices. Right. So you have to upgrade all of your network infrastructure and make sure that your displays, um, in our case, make sure that the displays can accommodate all of those devices and, and those types of things. So it, it, it was, you know, yeah, that, that was a, a really, um, interesting and encouraging, uh, you know, development as, as this thing went all, went along. That's great. And I think that's a perfect ending note for uh, today's discussion, but I've got more questions for next time. So hopefully we can have you back on maybe this summer when we have a little clearer picture of what uh, fall 21 is going to look like. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. Well, thank you, JW. And it'd be my pleasure to come back. So you just but thank, thank you very much, and thanks for your time today. Absolutely. And to my audience, thank you, as usual, for joining us. Uh, this has been another great discussion. Check out past episodes uh, on the website, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, never forget to always keep learning. <laughs>